This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys coming back. We have an info-packed episode for you here today. We have Frank Brock from Morse Nursery. That's right, guys. We have Morse back on the program with us. We are going to cover everything trees. So let me get into a few details for you here. We're going to cover Charlie's transition. He retired, so we're going to talk about What's going on there? Um, he's not totally out of the picture. Then we get into our new uh, contact over at Morris, Mr. Frank Brock. Frank is a younger gentleman who knows a ton about trees, as you will learn once you're done listening to this episode. We talk about a couple new types of trees that Frank and Morris are offering. We are talking about a deer magnet persimmon and a new chestnut variety as well. We talk about different drop times for these varieties and how that can be advantageous to your hunting. We talk about a tree survival kit. We talk about whitetail trees. We talk about a discount code for those who are listening to the Habitat Podcast. And it's just an awesome episode. We go on for a while about everything trees. Frank is also a small property owner like the rest of us. And, you know, implements habitat management on his ground, doing the same thing, having the same goals we do. So it's pretty cool to, to meet another uh, like-minded individual and also, you know, a partner of the show. So, Frank, thanks so much for coming on and thanks for your support. 
I want to thank the listeners for coming back once again. We are, you know, busted over 100 episodes this month, and we just, you know, are, we're just humbled. Really grateful for everything you guys do. Keep coming back. The support, the reviews you're leaving, uh, the T-shirts and hats you're buying. I mean, you guys are awesome, and we love you for it. We're going to keep this going. If, if you're new to the podcast, everything that you need to know can be found at HabitatPodcast.com. We have links to all of our social media up there, our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can get to all of that from the website. Our land plan consulting services where we write a hunting and habitat plan for your property specifically. Um, we can take calls on that whenever you want for free. If you just want to talk, give us a ring. Uh, and then lastly, we have all of our gear, our hats and t-shirts on there. And then even in addition to that, we have our habitat journal which is being headed up by our main man, Albert Tomechko, right now. We're publishing a new journal entry as we speak, how hunting small properties can make you a better hunter when it comes to big or any other properties. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to thank our uh, partners. We have Packer Max Cult of Packers, Hunt Wise, Killer Food Plots, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Sound Barrier Hunting, Real Tree. United Country Land Pro, and of course, Morris Nursery. This one is brought specially to you by Morris Nursery. We've been talking with Morris for years now, uh, the nursery, whether it was through Charlie or through or, yeah, through Frank. So if you look up morrisnursery.com, you can see all the different trees they, they have in their catalog. Um, and there are a bunch of them. And we also did a bunch of snippets through some old podcast episodes that you can go back where Charlie and I talk about pretty cool trees and how they could be helpful on your property. Um, if you want to go back even further, we have Charlie on the Habitat podcast, episode 38 and episode 72. So if you want to have a little backstory on Morris before we get into it with Frank, two great episodes listening to uh, who I like to call Uncle Charlie talk about nothing but trees but guys this one is just as good so here we are we have frank brock from morse nursery everything trees i'm in a uh, hotel room with my buddy Corey down in southern ohio brian just got out of the woods today too and we have a special guest tonight that we uh been wanting to get on for a couple of weeks now we have frank brock from morse nursery how you doing frank Good. How about you, Jared? I appreciate you guys finally having me on the show. Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, a little bit worn down after those Ohio hills, but, you know, ready to talk trees. And uh, glad you could you could come on. I've been, yeah, wanting to chat with you for uh, a little while now and hear what's, what's new with Morris. And, and let's hear about you. Um, you're a new name to the show, you know, and, and so why don't we start that off with, uh, you know, you painting a picture of who, who Frank is and where you're from, and all that great stuff. Gotcha, yeah. So my name's Frank again. I'm actually from Mooresville, Indiana. It's a little bit southwest of Indianapolis, the state capital. Um, I'm 27 years old, and I've been an avid hunter my entire life. Um, not as more now so than ever, um, as I've uh, finally, finally gotten to a place where I can actually um, have some fun doing some hunting on my own property. So kind of going into that. A little bit about me. Um, I started out with uh, playing college football and uh, moving and playing football over in Germany, actually, in the German Football League. 
and even coach the season as well, uh, running an wow. offense and doing pretty well with that. But I didn't really have a lot of time growing up um, to do a lot of hunting like I wanted to, just playing a lot of sports and just staying busy. So now finally getting back from that and settling down and finding this, this um, career with Morris Nursery, having a chance to really uh, flex those hunting muscles and, and really get into it more than I ever had before. So you said you played football in Germany? Correct, yeah. American football in Germany, the German Football League. How did you make your way over there versus over here? Or I'm not sure how that, that works. Yeah, no, yeah. So um, the German Football League, basically after playing at UND, I didn't have much attention. Um, but I had some film, and I actually put that up on a website called Europlayers.com. And basically, this league is like old NFL Europe. So the same teams are established that were there that were then. Um, but basically, it's the German Football League. So I went over there and played uh, for a season and coached for a whole season as well. It's like a step below the Canadian Football League, but wasn't good enough to make it to the NFL or the CFL. But at least I got some time uh, to play and explore the world a little bit. So. Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. Uh, where do you, where was that at in Germany? Uh, I played in Rotenburg, Abertaber, which is like in Bavaria, and then um, also in Stuttgart, Germany, which is like West Germany, and then I also I coached in Straubing, Germany, which is north of Munich. Wow, that's awesome. Yep. I've never been across the pond. Uh, took some German classes <laughs> in high school and college, probably forgot most of it, but um that's very, very cool. I've always wanted to go over there. So that's – I did not expect you to throw that out on the podcast. Nice job. <laughs> yeah. So then you came back to the U.S., and then what? Um, so then I started um, – I had a career in sales. I was actually selling uh, payroll um, and was also staying very busy trying to get companies to switch um, over to certain, you know, our products and this and that a lot of travel time, et cetera, not, not, not a lot of time in the woods. Um, and then I uh, spent more time with uh, a company called Whitetail Trees um, while I started with the payroll company. And as that continued, um, I spent a lot more time with Whitetail Trees and, and learned a lot more about, you know, tree food plots and also the way, you know, you can really manipulate a deer's uh, movements and know when and where to hunt them based off trees. So I started doing more time with uh, whitetail trees, and it ended up the opportunity um, with Morse Nursery, as Morse Nursery has went ahead and acquired whitetail trees. And so to be a part of that and be in a situation now to you know spend a lot of time in the woods every day, really follow the, the patterns of the deer, and also spend time with with Charlie before you know you guys have him on the podcast, and he's just a wealth of knowledge to be around for me too. So it's kind of been a nice uh, sequence of events. But it's been really nice. So how long ago was that when you jumped out with Whitetail Trees, would you say? Like, and then, you know, after the whole transition into Moors, like, when did, when did all that come down? Yeah, so I got in with Whitetail Trees uh, two years ago, and I've been around with them um, since then, working uh, with every product from the ground up and also um, moving forward with uh, Whitetail Trees um, and the obvious expansion of Morse Nursery. So we, we focused at Whitetail Trees on some very exclusive trees and chestnuts and uh, persimmon. 
but not just any kind of persimmon, but some self-female pollinating grafted ones. So we actually had those that we're going to be expanding the Morse nursery line and continuing the, the legacy of, of Charlie Morse that he started uh, as well. That's a that's a perfect transition, Frank. Nice job. Uh, I want to hear about what's Charlie up to these days. Let's talk about the the transition. I know um, we had our friend John call in, and you know he was expecting to talk to Charlie, and uh, so maybe we should make you know the news announcement on, on what's new there and what Charlie's up to these days. Yeah, no. So some exciting news for Charlie. Um, he's actually uh, gone into retirement, so he's enjoying the retired life now. Oh man, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm je- I'm jealous too, right? <laughs> um, but with that being said, it it really just means he's more out of the day to day stuff, uh, and spending more time on the consulting side, helping us with you know the, the harder, trickier stuff when it comes to seed and weather protection, and and also like uh, fertilizers, and et cetera. So he's still intimately involved, but just not in the day to day. So uh, we still have him as a great resource to the company. Yeah, if anybody ever had a question, I'm sure you can give Charlie a call, right? Oh, trust me. I give Charlie a call all the time. <laughs> I just love talking to Charlie in general. I know we had him on, like you said, a couple times, and um, probably some of our, our listener favorites, to be honest. We got a lot of good feedback talking to him, and uh, just something about the, the soft voice of Charlie Morris. I mean, just it was awesome. So, and <laughs> I couldn't but, agree more. And now, um, so are are you technically the quote-unquote face of, of Morse Nursery, or what's the team look like there, and how does that relate to Whitetail Trees where you used to work? Yeah, so I'm pretty much the, the face of Morse Nursery. I, I basically handle everything that Charlie was handling. Um, we do have some guys back in the back that take care of uh, some more of our of our, our grafting, as well as as well as our planting and collecting as well for seed. Um, but I'm basically running. Um, the whole the whole shebang right now but uh with what it looks like basically is morse nursery is going to stay the exact same uh when it comes to the trees that we carried before in charlie's northern cold hardy strains and we're just going to be adding some new some new trees to that line like i mentioned earlier those being some different types of chestnut trees and also some different type of persimmon um and we really believe that you know charlie has some great great apples with some very nice drop times and packages available already, um, but we're just going to be able to add some different varieties that are going to go to the same thing, and maybe even to help take that food plot to the next level. Yeah, so let's get into those new products, Frank. Uh, what's going to be on the uh, new side of things that Morse hasn't offered before? Gotcha, yeah. So one thing that I'd like to start with, and these are actually – I know I was talking to Jared about it. I actually own 26 acres, and I actually used these products when I first started working at Whitetail Trees. They put them. They uh, helped me understand the, the obviously the value of these, and I saw it right away and put them installed them in my property as well. So these are something that I'm very familiar with, not just from a, a selling point and being around them in the nursery, but also the experience on my own property this far with the planting and seeing how they go from place and et cetera. Um, with those new products, though, the main one I first wanted to talk to you guys about are the chestnuts. And Charlie has always offered chestnuts. We have three great, big, beautiful chestnuts right inside of Morse Nursery. I don't know, Jared, if you've ever seen those when, you, when you've came to visit before, but um, they're like a staple when you pull in. They're, they're beautiful trees. 
Um, this is, a, however, a new variety for us, though, and it's we, we call them monthly drop-time American hybrid chestnuts. So we have an August, a September, an October, and also a November. And the reason we have them a monthly drop-time name is because the actual parent trees drop, I kid you not, August 15th, start dropping, September 15th, October 15th, and depending on how cold it is, the November one drops starting the 9th through the 12th. And wow. this has been through seven years of research at Whitetail Trees on these parent trees. And we partner with a couple of different research centers to make sure we're doing the correct testing, et cetera. But we collect directly from those parent trees to ensure the genetic probability that it will drop on that same time. That's incredible. That's awesome. Let me let me back up a minute here, Frank. Where is your property yeah. located? And uh, give us a picture of what that looks like. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this property is 26 acres, and it is actually about an hour west of Indianapolis in a place called Quincy, Indiana. So it's, I want to say, southwest part of the state. May, uh, a little more, it's probably west of the state, not not so much southwest. Um, but basically 26 acres, it's surrounded by um, agriculture. This year it's all soybeans. Um, there's only two fields left, so hopefully they get those down soon. Um, but basically it's uh, surrounded by oak trees. And it has a lake in the middle. It's about four to five acres. So also around that that lake is a bunch of hickory trees and some different uh, oaks. So I have a, a smorgasbord of acorns and nuts on the ground in the trees. And then in the backfield, it's a, it's a complete opening, seven acres of just wide, perfect hunting grass that the farmer usually bails out for me hay. So back there is where I've actually planted some of these chestnut and some persimmon. Um, but basically I'm playing the game of taking the route that they're going to take on my property. I have a bedding area and basically the, um, it's the Southeast corner of the property. They're hitting my lake and they're taking an old farm road through the woods back to the, to the, to the land and to the trees and to the agriculture. So the property is in a really good spot. Though my only problem is being surrounded by so much agriculture I run into that issue of being only 26 acres of it's a highway. These deer are moving through at night. They're moving through throughout the day, but they're not usually stopping. Yeah. So that's where the really the chestnut and the persimmon are going to come into play. Right. Okay, so you got all that research done on those uh, parent trees that you've got dropping on different months. Uh, what other yeah. new products do you have coming out? And uh, tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, so the other ones that we're looking at are some persimmon. And, again, uh, in the spirit of the drop time, uh, we're looking at late drop times here at Morse Nursery. So we have a candy and a magnet female self-pollinating persimmon, and these are grafted. Okay, so these trees, the candy, um, is good all the way up to zone four. And it is a producer starting in October and it dribbles into November. The wow. deer magnet persimmon is one that it starts in November and goes into December. So it's really covering a very late time of the year. And again, it's a great it's a great mixture when you have a soft mass fruit like a persimmon, which I don't know if you ever had a persimmon before, but they are delicious. I mean, it's like 
I can't even describe the texture. It looks like an orange, but it feels like a peach. But then it tastes like an orange molasses. So I can understand. It's like a dessert for the deer. I would almost guarantee it. Sure. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah. So um, what is um, the drop time on those? You're saying you could go all the way to mid-November, or is it the beginning of November? Yeah, so the magnet starts dropping in November, and then the colder it is reflects on the longer it'll hold on the tree. So you're looking at starting in November around the 10th, it's going to dribble out of the tree every day until early December. Wow. So you're talking about late bow season. You have persimmon on the ground. Sure. When every other property around you might have a couple apples in the tree, et cetera, or maybe some, some plot they put down. But if you have persimmon dropping in December, that's a game changer. It's an insurance policy that these bucks are going to keep checking those trees every couple of days. Now, with a – with a fruit like that, Frank, do they get sweeter when it gets, you know, frozen, frosty, kind of like a sugar beet does or anything like that? Or, um, and then I guess second part of the question, zone four, remind me, how far north does zone four go for these trees? Yeah, so so for the zone question, real quick, zone four is going to go up to probably middle of Wisconsin. There's some pockets that could qualify for colder, obviously a little lower. But then you get into like zone 4A. That's where we have a more cold-hardy persimmon, like our meter persimmon. Uh, that's It would do better in that situation. Um, yeah. There's a little difference in zone 4 and 4A, and that's the same with the chestnuts. We even have a cold-hardy chestnut we actually prescribe for like a zone 4A area, and it's called the rain. And it just does better in that climate and has been tested in that area as well. So we want to make sure we give our clients, obviously, the best. That's why it comes down to your zone, too, and also your soil type as well, but Zone's very important, but you're starting in a good place because we're already based out of Michigan and Indiana-type area where it's already a cold environment already. Yes, and you just reminded me what else I wanted to ask you after our chat the other day. Um, thanks for getting into the zones there because I can't keep all that straight. I know there's some maps and whatnot you can look <laughs> at, so it's just, but it's easier to just call you or, or Morris and, and figure that out, you know, I, I want to talk about, you know, the, the chestnuts more for the Midwest and, and your other new trees and, and whatnot, but how how is Morse, you know, different with the whitetail trees as well for, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are in the Midwest. We get some cold winters. We have listeners everywhere, um, and I'm sure you guys have trees for each zone. Maybe you don't, but how do you guys kind of figure out what zone you're going to be in and, and cater to? Is it just based on where the nursery is located? That So that is a huge um, key right there, um, where the location of the nursery is. And the one advantage, you know, Charlie got on here and he talked about our rootstock, and rootstock is a huge key as well for us in the habitat management side of things. Um, but what's even bigger in my mind is the zones. And being located in Michigan and also now obviously Indiana with white-tailed trees, it makes us so that we can go – trees can travel to southern zones very easily. But when you take the reversal of that and you start sending trees up from Tennessee, from Alabama, from Missouri, where other nurseries, notable nurseries, are located, you run into problems when that strain isn't native to, like, let's say Michigan or, you know, a hardy 4 or 4A in Wisconsin, where at Morse Nursery, that is a huge plus and huge factor – because some of these trees, it gets down to negative 30 sometimes at the nursery. 
and these trees, parent trees, are surviving and thriving in that environment. That's pretty important. I mean, we have some other nurseries. You know, I planted some other trees before in the past, and you know, out of out of the Midwest as well that are that are that are doing good. But it's just, um, I also planted some some Dunstans, and, and I don't have very much luck on on my Dunstans, Brian. Have you planted chestnuts at your at your forty or the lease or anything yet? Yes, I uh, planted some straight Chinese chestnuts on the forty in northeast Ohio, up by Lake Erie there, and they did pretty well. I did lose one out of six over the years, but uh, you know they got the producing age and did very well. What? Well, let me ask Brian, what, what kind of protection did you have on those chestnuts? Those Chinese. Uh, you mean as far as to keep the deer off of them? Yeah, just the, the like basically like your your general practice of protecting those like deer, um, fertilizing yeah. water. Sure. So I usually start with uh, landscape fabric, and then I'll put okay. some uh, real fine either pea gravel or or uh, small chopped up gravel, whatever I can get my hands on, and then uh, I'll put a Metal screen around the bottom, maybe six inches, keep the mice and the rabbits off of it. And then I put a um, fence around it, like a, I think I take seven or eight feet of it. I think I use four foot tall uh, welded wire cages and then stake them in, and that seemed to work pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had a good percentage of survival, too, with that practice. And the yeah, reason, I think Charlie. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think Charlie recommended us just use mulch uh, whenever we started getting trees from him, and uh, I don't know if, what the big difference between that and the uh, gravel is, but it seemed to work fine too. With the gravel, yeah. Hey, as long as it, if it gets the job done, it gets the job done. One thing, the reason I ask you that, one reason, and one question I always ask every customer we, we talk to on the phone. Um, what it puts in the order is, you know, how, how did you protect these or how do you plan to protect these, this investment? Sure. And one thing that we've, we've noticed, I've, my, my grandfather and my dad with, with trees have always caged and mulched. And I know Charlie has always done the same as well. Uh, but one thing that we've really started to notice and had more success with uh, is tubing. And we've actually developed now, and more nurseries is going to start carrying this product. Um, with all the trees, it's an option. Basically, it's called the Tree Survival Kit. And this Tree Survival Kit is going to include basically our recipe for success at the nursery. Uh, it's going to come with a one-year guarantee on all of our trees. And basically what it is is a 60-inch tall tree grow tube, UV-protected, vented, and it's 5 inches in diameter. And the real reason we like the tube over the cage the cage does a great job with, with protecting from deer, don't get me wrong, and protects it well, but it doesn't protect from the wind. And that's really the key here. With such a young tree of one to two to three years old, we're already fighting a transplant shock in this tree. The last thing we want to do is just leave it open to the wind. So with the wind, any wind that's actually over seven miles an hour will actually stop photosynthesis in that tree. And it could oh, wow. be for a a day, it could be for a week, it could be for a month, depending on how severe that wind really is. So when we have these trees in the tube, 
it actually keeps them in a constant state of growth or a constant state of photosynthesis all the way up that four foot of the tube. Um, so that's why we like the tube over that, but we don't stop there. We're actually going to give you two, a three by three foot weed mat. And the weed mat is non-perforated. It's like a double layered trash bag with a slit in the middle. But what that does is it actually keeps the tree in almost drought resistant for two and a half weeks. So not only are we going to protect that tree from the wind and deer with the tube, we're also going to protect it from drought. Because let, let's get to it, honestly, if you don't live on your hunting property, like myself, I'm blessed to be able to do so, to check my trees when I want. However, if you don't live on your hunting property like 80% of the population, then you're able to have almost a maintenance-free habitat solution with this kit if you can't make it out there for a couple of weeks or let's say a month. This weed mat's going to give you a little extra boost. And then on one more on top of it is we're going to do a one- to two-year self-fertilizer called a NutriPro. And Charlie's been selling this for a long time. And it actually goes in the ground six inches from the tree, six inches down. It's the entire package. And every time it rains, it actually releases fertilizer directly to the roots instead of you coming by spraying and hoping it gets to the roots anyway. So we put this whole package together as well as inoculating the roots with like a transplant shock and a mycorrhizal bacteria powder before we ship them off to you. We give you all that knowing if you follow that system – you're going to have the most efficient growth, the best success, and we give you that one-year guarantee because we know we have a 90% success rate at the nursery in our apple orchards, in our persimmon, in our chestnut, in our oak, all the trees we grow at, in, in-house. That's, that's huge. impressive. Yeah, that's huge. I it's It makes a difference. It, it's not as laborious as putting up T-posts and fencing and – and mulching when you can just slap it together with a, a product that works. And the, the tube really does keep the deer away. The only time I've seen the tube not be successful is from some people up in very northern areas where it's like bear. The bear get curious about what's in the bottom of the tube until that tree gets out of there, then they start leaving it alone. But with deer, usually no issue at all. And I, and I haven't had one issue on my property either with that system in, in deer. What kind of stakes are you using with those, Frank? So we usually recommend, and what we use is a 70-inch pine or a 70-inch white oak, and it's we use a treated pine. But, however, when we ship it to you guys or we ship it out across the country, it makes more sense for, you, for the listener or the, the buyer to actually just go to Menards or a local hardware store and go ahead and get, like, either some PVC conduit piping or go ahead and get their own wood for themselves. We kind of go against bamboo. Um, it can last long, but it kind of doesn't do well in, in high winds. So we really recommend a more stable um, source. I can tell you right now the bamboo don't last that long. All of mine are, no, are bamboo, and, yeah, they're they're junk. Um, they, really? might, they might last a little while, you know, a year or two, but the bottoms get wet and rot and tip over, and uh, I end up using those. I think plastic-covered metal stakes from Home Depot or whatever, pound those babies in. But oak or pine would be great, too, something harder. Um, exactly. Brian, yeah, I've you, gone, you've had issues with that, too, PVC. Brian? Yeah, okay. Yep, went to the P- PVC and haven't had any problems. And it's it's actually fairly reasonable if you buy 10-foot sections and cut them in half yourself, cut them yep. at an angle, and then at the point. You can just drive it right in, yep. That's it. Yep. Well, 
if you're like me and you don't have a pickup truck, unfortunately, because, you know, just is what it is, um, trying to get all that fencing inside your vehicle to wrap, you know, even five trees, nine-foot sections of five-foot-tall wire fence, it wants to roll up into a, you know, into a roll in the back of your car, on your roof, whatever. I mean, you guys should see what my trailer looks like once in a while. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> so if you can just omit the cage, I mean, I'm all about that. I, I planted some chestnuts and some tubes last year from my friend uh, Phil Lincoln, and uh, he's been okay. on the podcast before, and the tubes really accelerated the growth. In one summer, they were up to the top. Um so I would, I, they're not five-foot tubes. I should probably get the five-foot tubes because deer are going to be right on top of them next year. But that's that's some great great advice. Thanks, Frank. And, and what do those survival kits cost in addition to the tree? So, like, what's your insurance policy cost us? Yeah, so if you guys are going to, let's say you put in an order, um, it's usually going to be an add-on for a tree, and you're looking at $10 per tree. So we're going to give you a one-year guarantee, the tube, the weed mat, the fertilizer, we're going to inoculate the roots with the, the different bacteria and the transplant uh, and, and, again, give you that one-gear guarantee. So all that for $10, and then if anything happens to it, uh, we'll replace it for free because, obviously, you took the measures that we would take ourselves. Right. I honestly was expecting you to say more than that. So Yeah, uh, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, and that's not, a sure. candid, that's not a candid response. I was expecting probably 17 20 bucks, so something like I. that. Yeah, and I, I can tell you we usually do sell it wholesale by itself for around 15 just the package if you want to throw it on one of your trees you already have. But if, you, if you're going to buy trees from us, you want to make sure you can protect that for a reasonable cost. Okay, so here's a question from my um, deer hunting roommate who's sitting over here listening. Um, let's see here, Corey Francis, he's been on the podcast a bunch of times. He says, when planting a one- to two-year-old chestnut, do you recommend any trimming to get the growth to go to the leader? And maybe you can explain what the I, leader is as well. Yeah, so that's something that I've definitely seen firsthand. So we actually planted 1,500 chestnuts this past spring um, on like an eight-acre plot. And wow. basically 30% of them did not um, go right when we planted them. They actually like looked like they died, and we were worried on um, that lead shoot which he's talking about is that lead, obviously the the one that's growing the fastest and the tallest is your lead shoot, um, basically died out or looked like it died out. Um, we went around, fertilized um, some extra just to double check, and I came back three weeks later, and those actual ones that died had came back out from the bottom, and by the end of the growing season this year, had caught up to some of the trees that actually um, did not die like that. So no way. that's not a very – Great question. Yeah, you would think that, oh, wow, my tree's dead, but it all comes down to that root system. And especially if you just transplanted that one- to two-year-old tree, there can be some type of shock. And if it, that's why I always say it's better to plant a one-year-old than it is a two-year-old or a three-year-old, just because, think about it, a two-year-old and a three-year-old's root ball complex is going to be very much more um, complex altogether than a one-year-old. So if you can get that one-year-old in a final resting place sooner, it has a better chance, even if that lead shoot doesn't make it out, that first that first attempt, it'll come back stronger than ever due to those roots having time to really solidify themselves without much chance of stress. I don't know if that answers the question, but it is great to make sure 
don't be afraid to let that lead shoot go through the, through the fall or the winter and watch in the spring how the new ones come back. That's when you can cut back that lead shoot and let that new one take over is in the spring. Okay, so do you trim any other growth on the tree to promote the vertical growth or no? Um, I, I would say you're you're okay with just, just watching that. I usually don't do any trimming on my tree because if we're thinking from a standpoint, if I'm putting these out on the food plot, then maybe I don't get to that often. Um, you would be okay just leaving it as it is. That tube is going to promote um, vertical growth. Like you said, getting to the top of the tube by the end of the growing season, it's going to produce that, that tree to go vertical, have more of a timber value, even if it's not a timber tree. Okay. With with the chestnuts you mentioned, you planted the eight acres, um, and even with your deer magnet and candy uh, for Simmons, we talked about any soil requirements or maybe no nos where you shouldn't plant anything like that, anything too wet or too dry. What's your advice on that for our listeners? On the advice for that, it's for definitely, definitely for the chestnuts, we want a more well drained soil. And that's, that's very key. So we're looking for more well-drained, more higher areas, not, not low valleys where like a late frost or, um, or dew can get them. You, know, you want to make sure they're out of the way of that. And same with the persimmon too. So more of a well-drained soil is what we're looking for. Okay. I think that makes sense. But I can let you know, I can let you know on my own property, I got away with, um, I have some very low spots and I have, about 13 acres that are are, um, are could, could be cropped, but I let the farmer actually just bale the hay for me um, so I can just hunt it. And I planted trees. I actually took the, the, the tractor tire marks, created ridges in the ground. And I noticed when I went back there a couple of times checking where I wanted to plant my locations that they were flooded when it rained. So what I did was use that mound created by the tractor tires going back and forth and planted a couple of those trees on those little hills. And it actually it made a world of a difference for me. So my weed mat wasn't so much flat. It was more kind of like an angle on the hill. But it kept that tree safe from any low frost or any uh, flooding that happened. So you can get kind of tricky and, and mess with it um, and see what can happen with you. And what's nice is if you, if you go with our survival kit, now you can get really risky. And you can try something maybe you didn't want to try in the first place, knowing that we'll replace it for you if it doesn't work out. Yeah, that's a great point. That's Even real with, uh, Yeah, a lot of people do that gardening and, and planting other things too, like potato mounds and pumpkin mounds and stuff like that. So that makes a lot of sense. So, Frank, uh, the chestnuts that you guys are offering now, I know a lot of chestnuts out there are part Chinese or part European or some, some type of other varieties. What are your varieties and – you talked a lot about the research. Can you go into a little bit about that also? Yeah, so we we do carry our LaRocca, which is like a, a Japanese-European mix. Um, it's a good cold-hardy one. It's like a, a 4A zone. We have our Chinese. Um, we do have some American Chinese. Um, but the ones I talked about, the drop-time ones, the new ones we're, we're going to be holding on to are – um, American hybrids. So they aren't full Americans, but they have a little bit of Chinese in them to protect from the blight. That doesn't mean they're completely blight resistant, but the parent trees, I can tell you, are all over 30 years old and none of them have gotten the blight. Wow. So that little bit of Chinese in them is, is paying dividends so far. 
That's great. Um, with those chestnuts, it really gives you the opportunity, no matter how big your land is, to control when and where these deer are going to be. Chestnuts are the number one food that these deer will go after. They will go crazy checking these trees. And not even that, but persimmon on top of it, it's the perfect mix of soft mass and hard nut. And, for example, what I did on my property, again, only 26 acres, seven acres is field in the back that's like actual huntable field. I hunt the trail. I sent, Jared, I sent you a photo. I don't know if you can see. I put the stands on there. I hunt the field where that trail is on the edge of the other field line, um, basically where they're going from the lake to the backfield. What yeah, I, I did was I took, I took 20 trees. I took four August drops, four September. I took four of the um, October, four of the November, and then I took four of persimmon, so two candy and two magnet. And what I did was I did a cluster of four August and a cluster of four September on the northwest part of my property, which is butts up against the soybean field this year. And then I have a field stand that looks right over the top of it from the west side. And they're sitting on both sides. The east side is the August and the west side is the September. And what I'm doing is even though there's soybeans and there's agriculture around me, I'm surrounded. It's going to invite these deer in August and September to actually come onto my property and spend time eating my chestnuts, checking my trees, instead of going into the agriculture. And they'll do that at night instead. So they're spending time on my property during the day, during the evening, and they're going out into the fields late at night as this extra food source. So we're inviting them in and we're creating a habit, like Pavlov's dogs. We're creating a habit of this deer knows once August 15th hits, there's chestnuts going to start falling out of this tree, and by God, he's going to check it. He's going to check it a couple times a week just to make sure he's getting everyone that hits the ground. So, again, you see what I'm doing here? August. He's checking the trees. In September, these other four trees start dropping. He starts checking the September trees. It's becoming a routine. Then October hits, and we're sitting here. We have chestnuts on the ground, and now we're introducing the candy persimmon. So now we have a soft mass, tasty dessert so he can wash down those October chestnuts with on the ground, too. And then moving into November, again, we have November chestnuts now starting to fall, depending on how cold. Depends on how soon, again, either the 9th or the 12th, they'll start dropping. And then with the persimmon, my magnet, the deer magnet, and it is a magnet. They start dropping November, and they start dribbling out all the way into December. And you are guaranteeing yourself these deer to create a pattern of when and where they're going to be. And obviously, we, we know, like, five-point trail cameras out here, you can have them, as soon as they hit the tree, you could be checking your, your cell phone. And you could be in the stand in a day or two. At the same time, he's been checking the tree for the last week. I mean, it really is that easy. And what's really beautiful about it, guys, is I'm, I myself, I haven't got into much of, like, the, the no-till food plot seeding yet. I want to add some clover and stuff to, I think, that, that old truck trail. So I can possibly, Jared, you mentioned holding some dough a little easier. They might stop and graze. I like that idea a lot as they're traveling to my chestnuts. Um, but I haven't done that yet, and because these trees, once they're established in two to three years of the survival kit, I don't have to worry about them. They produce every year. For chestnuts, we're talking three to five years. Year three, they're going to have a couple little chestnuts at the top. Year four, they're going to expand 
and then year five they'll have pl- plenty. And then the, for, for the grafted female self-pollinating persimmon, the candy and magnet, we're talking about um, the same the same basically thing of four to seven years is when we're looking at for the grafted one. So we're going to have fruit on the ground early, and you don't have to tilt the ground. You don't have to do anything extra. You don't have to bring an ATV out there. You just have a tree that's going to reproduce and reproduce every year for you and bring those deer back. And, again, not even bring them there. What I love most about it is you're creating a diet because I know, Jared, you're trying to create big bucks in your property, and I know I'm trying to create big bucks too. We're giving them a nutritional diet with persimmon and chestnuts to really grow some monster bucks. Frank, you're not into this whole habitat nerd stuff like we are, are you? I, I am. I, I, the, bug, <laughs> the bug has bit me. <laughs> I love it. No, you literally. I'm getting excited. I want to see your place. I mean, that sounds that sounds amazing. And I was going to ask you how long it takes to get fruit or mast, and you just answered that question for me too. So, man, nice job. That sounds really exciting. That's awesome. Frank, uh, how tall do those chestnuts get? So those chestnuts where you're looking at, there's um, a few of those parent ones are around 25 foot and some are around 30 to 30. One's 35 foot. Our September, the normal Dunstan drop September is around 30, 35. So they they can get pretty tall. Um, And that's another great thing about a habitat tree is we want a nice, tall, strong tree for, for big production. And what kind of spacing are you putting on this? So I really like Charlie's idea of the 20s. So if you're sitting in your stand, you have an idea um, where you can look and out there and not have to take up some uh, a scope and, and check the, the distance. I like that. But in our <laughs> orchard, for example, <laughs> for our, in our orchard, for example, we do it on um, 14s to 16s just so we can okay. get a good amount in there with good spacing. Sure. Um, but you're yeah, you're good on twenties. It's just as long as you have for chestnuts. That's why I do the clusters of four, so you can make sure that they do pollinate each other. Right. Yeah, and uh, clover is a great addition to any type of orchard if you got the space. I mean, there's nothing better than having all your food in one spot to give the deer a little bit of variety. That's what I was, and I haven't I haven't dabbled in it yet, but. I think I want to. I want to go down that route and see what I can also – because obviously I'm not naive. I know trees aren't the only answer out there, but they are a significant portion for me so far. But I know I can take it to the next level by adding a little little killer food plots maybe, some seed in there. Yeah, and, I mean, I like how you explained it earlier. You touched on it. We've touched on this in the past. A mass-bearing tree, a fruit-bearing tree, I mean, that's, that is a food plot in my opinion, in, in a way. Like, yeah. it keeps giving every year, and it's less maintenance, and the deer know it's there, and they come and visit. It's it's really, it's really, I can't wait to really see how well my trees are doing and how the impact hits as they mature and start dropping. I'm still to the point where I'm maybe getting one or two apples here and there just starting, but in another year or two, I'll be seeing some of those advantages, um, from the hard work in the past and you know you, you pair that with the clover underneath those trees and you just mow around it it keeps the weeds suppressed it puts some nitrogen in the soil that i'm sure your trees are going to love i mean life is good there i like that see that's and that makes me happy because what i usually tell people and what i do myself is my weed mat 
one way to avoid a problem is the mouse girdling your tree. Mm. So with the weed mat, what you, I usually do is take my weed eater and take it to the ground, the golf course style, three yards around a circle around that weed mat. So it creates a bigger diameter. But you just gave me the idea, why not plant do that and then plant my clover right around the weed mat? So it's like double the protection, but it's also inviting those, those deer into those trees, again, creating that habit until those trees are producing at the manner we expect them to. I love it. Is that what you would recommend right now if you if you didn't have the weed mat? Say if somebody didn't get the survival kit last year and they and they bought, um, would you just buzz three foot around in a diameter? Yeah, that that would probably help the most. But also, if you can, um, before planting, spray the Roundup. That's another advantage of the tube over the cage. Is if you do tube it, you can you can spray around the tube because the bottom of it's not vented. So that Roundup's not going to get on on your tree or or in those roots that's as well. Huge. So another advantage there, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Well, Frank, this has been an insanely amount of information uh, for an episode, and we're flying quick. Um, I do have a couple more questions here. We always ask all of our our guests who are on the show what your favorite tree is. It could be for habitat, could be for hunting. Could be for one that you just like driving down the road looking at and go, oh hey, I like that tree. I want to see or hear uh, what your favorite tree is, considering you've been in the tree business. Yeah, so I've always I've always had a favorite, and it's it's been that November drop chestnut. But most recently, we've actually been um, doing some research and, and studying a new strain, new genetic of self pollinating female persimmon trees. So we actually have located one. Um, basically where our Indiana whitetail tree location was. And it's a 60-foot-tall persimmon. It's around 30 years old, according to the owner of the property. And it's in the middle of town. And it's meaning the only other persimmons in the area are our own persimmons that we have planted, and they are 10, 20-plus miles away from this tree. So really no really chance of pollinating it. We're, we've been following this tree from the last two years, and from September 1 all the way until December 1st of last year, and it's following suit again this year. It's dropping the entire time for Simmons. Every day we're collecting from this tree from September 1st into the first week of December, and it's going to be a new genetic we're actually going to graft to this year, and it's going to be called Ever Dropping Persimmon. So it's going to cover that entire gamut, that candy and magnet covered together with one tree. So th- that's probably my favorite one out of all of them now because I've never seen anything like it, and as also the team hasn't either. So to bring it into to Morris Nursery and get some up in Michigan too in that cold-hearty climate, we're really excited to see where, where that tree can go too. Jeez, how did you guys even find that? We <laughs> – we have our ways. Uh, Charlie's <laughs> probably mentioned too uh, in the you know in the previous episodes about you know going mi- driving miles to certain trees because they're too big to collect acorns. And, you know we we really do do that to make sure we can have enough each year to uh, you know sell to our customers. And that's another big reason too is you know we we are grafting up these trees every spring and we're running out when it comes to the fall. So right now is always a great time to to start calling us if you haven't yet get us in before the end of the year so we can make sure we have, you know, what you want and what you hope to bring your property 
you know, the dream you have in your mind, we, we can help you do that. Just give us a call now instead of waiting until the spring because we're already selling to all those box stores and, you know, all the distributors and everyone else as well. So it's, it's great to give us a call now and we can help you start planning, you know, your, your future project as well. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I've mentioned it in the past, but maybe there, there could be some new listeners who haven't heard it yet. It's important to start thinking about your spring planting now. And, you know, it might seem like it's way too early. You know, we're all hunting right now and trying to focus on that. But I, I hate for our listeners to call you in the spring and ask for something and you have to say you're out. So it's we're, we're trying to push that a little bit in terms of just getting your plans together and, and having something in mind. Um, I know a few guys that have already called you this fall and, and ordered them up, and they're probably going to get exactly what they want. So that's that's awesome. Exactly. Thanks for mentioning that. And that's one thing, too, and, and we talked about this, too, Jared. You know, obviously we're talking about putting your spring order in now. We don't just want to have you just go spend money for no reason. And, uh, you know, being a listener of the Habitat podcast, Jared and I came up with something we want to offer if you order more than 10 trees from us, 10 or more, which we ship in boxes of 10, our one- and two-year-old trees, if you order 10 or more trees from us right now and use our discount code of Habitat10, on the website, we'll actually give you 10% off on that order. And that will also um, link to a deal on the tree survival kit as well. We'll be able to give you uh, for a dollar off as well. So it would be $9 a tree survival kit with the Habitat10 promo code. Wow. That's super nice of you. Am I allowed to use that code? (laughs) You are, yes. (laughs) That's a a smoking deal. I know we talked about it. I didn't know if you are going to come out with it or not. That's great, Frank. We appreciate that as the podcast and the listeners and anything we can do to to give back to the listeners for their support to us. uh, We try to to do that. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, not a problem. Well, we've... uh, We've talked your ear off for a while here, and you've given us a bunch of uh, good information. Do you have any uh, things we might have missed that you want to cover, and do you have any any more hunting plans this fall that uh, you're excited about before we wrap this up? Well, I just thanks for having me on the show, really. I'm a listener myself, and I've been learning a lot from you guys, so it's great to, to get to share my knowledge and you know Charlie's knowledge that I've learned from him, too and what the nursery can offer and, and share it with others out there. This is a great platform to do it on. So we appreciate you having us on again, and we're excited to keep working with you guys in the future. But for me, uh, hunting-wise, I'm trying I'm, – I want meat on the table. That's for sure. But it, do I want to take – I have a 10-point, and I have a 11-point uh, buck. They're probably a year and a half, two years old on the property, and I want to take one of them. <laughs> But I want to see him turn into a monster because I know there's a guy 10 minutes up the road from me that took a, a monster. I sent a picture of you, uh, a picture of that to you, Jared. And I'm trying oh to get my, my bucks to yeah. the same level, but it's hard to pass being on 26 acres because, you know, it really is kind of a highway of a property when, when you're dealing with land this small. Yeah, no, I uh... – I can commiserate with you, brother. I'm in the same boat. I know you did send me a picture of the one that was shot up the road, and that thing's an absolute giant. Um, yeah. Like a giant giant. And and <laughs> they're not going to get any bigger if you shoot them now. Um, but I'm also to the point where I've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into my property, and I'd like to harvest a nice a nice buck off mine this fall too. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, you can always shoot does, but – 
at the same time, if something gets you excited and it makes you happy and you're proud of it, you know, let it rip. That's that's the way I that's the way I think about it. You know, so hey, I'm the same way. That's I'm the same way. I probably didn't give you any guidance there. I probably wish you washed on both <laughs> sides of the table. But, hey, yeah. that's hey, that's what everyone does. <laughs> you know, it's, it could it could be a different opinion tomorrow. It, it goes day by day, but uh, you know, I really appreciate you, you coming on, Frank. A, honestly, a ton of knowledge, and I mean. In less than an hour. That was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I really appreciate it again, and yeah, thanks for having us on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk. No problem, guys. Well, hey, everybody will be hearing uh, more from Frank and, and the team at Morris here soon. Remember, uh, Frank, what was that discount code one more time? Yeah, so that discount code is Habitat10, and we ship in boxes of 10. So any order of 10 or more trees, you can use that discount code Habitat10 and get 10% off, as well as we will take a dollar off on the tree survival kit. So instead of 10, it'll be $9 for that one-year guarantee, the tube, the weed mat, and the self-fertilizer, as well as some love and care from us before we send it out. So that's out there, Habitat10. Go ahead and use it. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you very much, Frank. And Thanks, we'll, Frank. Uh, we'll connect with you guys soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, HabitatPodcast.com, we have our Habitat Property Consultation Services on there under the Land Plan tab. Check out our HP land plans there. We also have hats, t-shirts, and decals up at habitatpodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. We have Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Packer Max Cultipackers, Huntwise, Killer Food Plots, The Habitat Hook, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction, Sound Barrier Hunting, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers.